It's the Cup Podcast with Tom McRae and Mel Chan Green. Flags will be waving because Luna Rossa Prada Pirelli have just guaranteed themselves a spot in the Prada Cup final. It's done. It will be Luna Rossa against Enios Team UK in the Prada Cup final on the Hauraki Golf. Nice one. Hello and welcome to the Cup News Hub's America's Cup podcast. I'm Tom McRae with Melissa Chan-Green, of course. And if you were in any doubt, racing just got real. The Americans are now gone from the America's Cup. American Magic are out after hundreds of millions of dollars spent, more than three years of hard work and dedication, plenty of highs and quite a few lows. Uh, the New York-based uh, syndicate have limped out, losing 4-0 to Luna Rossa in the Prada Cup semi-final. And... Um I think it was a bit of a pity too because most of the Kiwis watching down at the race village really were supporting American Magic. There was a lot of um, sympathy for them after that capsize. Then, of course, at the weekend they had another near capsize. They had mechanical issues. Um, it just it couldn't go right for them. Yeah, and obviously having uh, a bit of a Kiwi superstar and Dean Barker, you know, as helmsman, um, obviously brought a lot of attention to the team. But it was a real shame that they just didn't really even look competitive because they only had 12 days between that capsize and their sinking to get themselves race ready. And like you say, that you know, those mechanical issues and just not quite having enough time on the water after that to, to get up to speed was a real shame. So what happens now? Well, um, joining us for some reaction, we have a very special guest, Steve Suchia. Um, Steve has a number of hats. He's an America's Cup historian. He's the selection committee chair for the America's Cup Hall of Fame and a member of the New York Yacht Club. Thank you very much for joining us, Steve. Well, thanks for having me, uh, Tom and Melissa. And of course, the um, the New York Yacht Club was the club behind American Magic, so you must be pretty disappointed. Oh, very much so. Uh, the word is, I've been uh, commiserating with fellow members today in the past couple, yes, today and yesterday, and uh, trying to make sense of what happened because it was all happened so quickly. What is the talk amongst people? I guess after the capsize, everyone was pretty hopeful, so maybe it doesn't come as an enormous surprise. Well, the feeling is number one, just disappointment and, and because of the fact that the team was doing so well during Christmas, right? I mean, the team looked great on the water. It won races against uh, Team New Zealand and Ineos Team UK and Luna Rosa Prada Pirelli. So the hopes were very high coming into the year. And, um, you know, the, the scuttlebutt was, this was a strong New York Yacht Club challenge, possibly the strongest since, uh, you know, really, you know, they lost the cup in 1983. And we were all hopeful that Dean Barker, Terry Hutchinson, and the whole crew could, you know, at least advance to the America's Cup match. Yeah. Needless to say, you know, that didn't happen that way. It was alarming at first because in the first rounds of the Prada Cup, it was disappointing to see American Magic not on pace. And then, of course, the capsize. You know, that really was quite crushing. Obviously, it'll be big chat amongst um, the members of the Yacht Club like yourself. But what about just in the general public? Is this something that Americans have been following? Have they even been watching the coverage? I'm not positive what the numbers are, 
But generally speaking, unfortunately, this is not uh, a sailboat race that has captured the hearts and minds of most Americans. Uh, but that being said, the story about the New York Yacht Club's capsize and the American Magic team did surface onto the New York Times uh, today. Oh, right. <laughs> so, so I guess those were pretty some, some pretty dramatic pictures that made it there then. Yeah. Or is it just a sense of just disappointed and, and you're gutted at the moment and there's, there's more time for all of those questions a bit later on? Yeah, there's no blame game going on at all, mainly because we don't know full, we don't know the full facts yet. You know, what truly made the team unsuccessful in the product cup? Was it foil control system issues? Was it an issue with the rudder design? The overall design was an issue with uh, maybe the way the afterguard was working together, uh, a combination of those, or other many other factors. You know, so we, it, it's hard to point any fingers at anyone because we don't know the facts yet. Do but, you know anything about the um, the future of of Dean Barker at this stage, or or what are your thoughts on on what might happen there? Yeah, that's still way too early to say, um, but but given his experience and his skill, I see a spot for him in some capacity in a campaign, New York Yacht Club or otherwise. Um, you know, I know a lot of people put a lot of blame on him in the past uh, week or so. I don't see that at all. I see it's a case where, you know, I think Dean Barker did well, you know, but yes, he did have, he did, he did have a struggle at the starts, certainly. But was that due to lack of confidence in the control of the boat? Was it due to uh, the overall plan of the afterguard? I don't know. Was it due to some technical issue with the way that the starts are timed? You know, like each of these boats have onboard computers that help the driver get to the start line right on time. Did the American Magic Team's system not work very well? You know, there, there are a lot of things that are still not answered yet. And what about the future for American Magic? Is there a desire within the New York Yacht Club uh, to see them in the next campaign? Yeah, that's an interesting question. Uh, there, there are some in the New York Yacht Club who are passionate to have the club continue to be involved in the America's Cup and continue to challenge. But there also are others who don't feel that way. It's interesting. Uh, and why, why is uh, that? Why, why do some people not want that to continue? Yeah, well, there's always some in the in the club who feel that the perhaps the America's Cup has been taking up too much time, and the energies of the club is what they argue. I disagree, but that's what their point of view is. There are also others in the club who are not happy with the type of boat that are being used for the America's Cup. Uh, in other words, the AC seventy five foiling monohulls is not something that's captured. Uh, you know the hearts and minds of some members. So do you think, would it depend on who wins the America's Cup? For instance, if Team New Zealand wins and continues to to go with these foiling monohulls, would that have a well, big influence? I think it. I think that, again, it's, a, it's more like a minority of members who may not care for the AC-75s, but I think those who are vested in maintaining uh, challenging for the America's Cup, I, I think those individuals are going to accept what kind of whatever type of boat is going to be the case. So if it's AC-75s again, I think those who are really wanting to stay in the Cup 
will accept it and maybe even maybe even embrace it. Um, like myself, for example, I love the AC75s. And I know there uh, are other New York Yacht Club members who love it as well. We think they're fantastic. They're pushing the envelope of design. Uh, they're interesting. And, and th this is one of the best things. They're actually tactically sound boats. They can be used wonderfully in the starting box and uh, you know throughout the race course. Steve, have you got anyone, um, have you got your eye on anyone as a potential for the uh, America's Cup Hall of Fame for 2021? Yeah, very good question. Uh, actually, we will be inducting uh, the class of 2021. And I do apologize, Melissa, I should have let you know. But we <laughs> This could be an announce announcement right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, this is, yeah, this is wonderful. And we're having an induction ceremony in Auckland at the Royal New Zealand Yacht Squadron as well. So I'm excited to say that we're, for the class of 2021, we're inducting two individuals. One is Ed Baird, the American helmsman, uh, who uh, helped win the cup for uh, Team Malingi in uh, 2007. And we're also inducting a Kiwi, PJ Montgomery, ah. the great product, the voice of the America's Cup. <laughs> America's uh, Cup is now New Zealand's uh, Cup. <laughs> exactly. And uh, so we're inducting Montgomery, not just for his extraordinary, uh, you know, wonderful commentating over the years, but also because he played a role in getting New Zealand into the America's Cup in the lead up to the 86-87 America's Cup series. He was one of the guys who was working behind the scenes to get Michael Fay and others to challenge uh, the uh, America's Cup when it was happening in Perth. And that was huge because that led New Zealand into the world of the America's Cup and of course uh, as they say, into history. Where do you <laughs> see this America's Cup sitting um, alongside some of those other great events over the over the last 20 or 30 years? If you look at it from a technological point of view, it, I'll rank it near the top among the America's Cups because this is the first time we're seeing, seeing foiling monohulls, the first time we're seeing these really fantastic boats with 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 a design that we have not seen in any other type before. And I think it's wonderful that the America's Cup is at the bleeding edge of technology. Steve Suchia, thank you so much for joining us and with the news that there will be a Kiwi inducted into the America's Cup Hall of Fame for 2021. The America's Cup is now New Zealand's Cup. From News Up, it's the Cup Podcast. Well, we're going to move on a little closer to home now. We have um, two sailing experts in the studio and on the line. Uh, on the line, we have with us Rod Davis. He's uh, a former Olympic sailor. He's won medals for both the US and New Zealand. And I think he's been in an, about 12 America's Cup campaigns, um, including Helmsman for New Zealand Challenge in 1992 and a sailing coach for Team New Zealand on a few campaigns, including the last in Bermuda. Hello, Rod. Hello, how are you? I'm very good, thank you. Thanks for joining us. We also have in studio Logan Dunning-Beck, who uh, I chatted to in Bermuda. He was the um, skipper or the helmsman of the uh, America's Cup youth team there. Um, he sails in the 49er class too, alongside Team New Zealand members Peter Burling and Blair Chook. Hello, Logan. Good morning. You've also had a rollout on the water during this Prada Cup. Yeah, I've been um, lucky enough to be involved with the Mark Lang team and driving the, um, the one of the photographer's boats around, so it's been pretty exciting. 
There's been a, probably a, a few less um, sailing days than you'd hoped for, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it could have been a bit more exciting, a bit more action to watch, but it's been good so far. Just tell us a little bit about that, because there was obviously some issues early on uh, with basically getting the courses set up. Can you explain how difficult it is with the shifting winds and, and trying to move the, the spectator fleets around? Um, it's It's been very challenging. I'm... I, I've been demoted to the photography boat, which I think is actually a rather rather large upgrade. So That might be a promotion, Logan. Yeah, I think <laughs> so too. No, Matt Mason and the guys have um have been worked pretty hard to, to get the course and it is really, really shifty on those inner courses and it's surprisingly deep and the current rips so yeah, they've had a lot on their plate to get the marks in in time. And will that be the same we're gonna have the same conditions when we get to the America's Cup? Um, further down the line when Team New Zealand's racing as well? Yep, yep. Um, the the boys have got the system fairly sorted by now, so we um, we shouldn't see any issues on their <laughs> part, but they'll be working hard, that's for sure. Rod, I just want to turn to the Prada Cup that's coming up and, um, and what you're thinking now. We're obviously going to see a match-up between helmsmen of... Um, so Ben Ainsley on Ineos UK and then uh, Jimmy Spittle and Francesco Bruni on Luna Rossa. It looks like it's going to be a pretty tight battle between them, don't you think? Yeah, it does look like it's tight. Um, one of the things that the it's showing up is the more racing you do, the quicker you improve. And um, that's probably to be expected with, uh, with a new class where the learning curve is quite steep. So with the... Um, with Ben and his boys sitting out this last regatta and and uh, and Jimmy getting four more races under their belt, uh, that they definitely lifted their game from the uh, first from the round robins, and that experience will lift their game again. So it's so sets are off. I don't I don't really know who's going to win. Um, two aggressive starters, so the starting will be interesting that way, and and Ben can be very very aggressive. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be a really close contest. Um, it's uh, for, for Ben and, and the, um, the English team, they really are, just need to keep pressing forward, pressing forward without racing, and that's a challenge for them. How unusual is the dual helmsman role? Obviously, uh, before the semi final against American Magic, we saw a couple of communication. Uh, mix-ups between Spittle and Bruni, but they seem to have sorted them out over the semi-final. But how unusual, how difficult is it to, to I guess, have dual helmsmen um, on a boat like this? It's, well, it hasn't been done before. We At one point, we uh, in the old days, we could have upwind helmsmen and downwind helmsmen, but uh, really, that, that disappeared 20 years ago. And... Um, no, it hasn't been done before. It has some advantages, though. And one of the biggest advantages is that the helmsman doesn't have to cross the boat. It's almost five seconds from the time Ben leaves the helm, goes over, and settles into the other side because crossing behind the mainsail is not an easy task. You know, there's almost 60 knots of apparent wind trying to blow you off the back of the boat, and then you get settled in and start steering again. Um, so for that period, although somebody's steering the boat, the boat is almost on autopilot and not being sailed as well as it could. So having the two helmsmen, if you have full faith in both your helmsmen, looks like a plus. 
um, like you said, communication is a problem, but they've sorted, they're sorting that out and getting better all the time. So I think in the future, you might see that two helmsman system be more popular. Is it all down to the personalities being able to work together and, and I guess one knowing when to take the lead at a particular point in time? Yeah, it, it is down to the personalities, but all the, all the teams are centered around the skipper's personalities and his preferences and, and tacticians uh, talking to the helmsman, that communication is really about trust in the two and the two being able to work together. So, um, yeah, all the way through the crew, the, 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 the skipper's personality and his preferences go all the way through that crew. As a sailing coach, Rod, where where do you see the weaknesses of either side at this stage? Uh, the weaknesses, well, Luna Russell's worked pretty hard to to bring their boats up in the wind range. In the uh, early regattas, they were very good in the light, but probably a little more vulnerable in the in the uh, in the uh, upper wind range as well, say fifteen knots and above. And it looks like they've done a nice job correcting that where the English would probably try to go the other way and continue to work on their downrange performance. Uh, past that, um, the two, the starting will be aggressive. I mean, Ben, when Ben gets his back in the corner a little bit, he, we, he will come out fighting and we will see some pretty aggressive match racing starts. Um, the, uh, Your, Logan's right nodding, now, I guess. You've seen that out on the water <laughs> firsthand, Logan. Yeah, it's um, it's super aggressive. He just takes it takes it right to them. So I think we we could see some some really interesting scenarios. And and Spittle and Bruni are, are no different as they well. They don't hold back either, yeah, do they? Race one where we saw that super close tack from from a port entry from Spittle. So yeah, it could be um. It could be pretty intense racing. And are they so aggressive because it seems to be that if you win the spa, win the start, you win the race? Is it that simple, or are you just gain such an advantage if you get over that start line in the right position? Exactly. Yep. It's all about the start. And, uh, and look, Spithill and um, and Ben are just naturally aggressive people, you know. And uh, you know, we know Ben from the 2007 Cup. Uh, when he was the backup helmsman for Dean in Valencia for Team New Zealand. And, um, boy, I can tell you, we, we, he can be aggressive and we're fixing boats. You know, they smack into each other. So this could be game on. Rod, you um, would have worked with Peter Burling a bit in Bermuda. Is, would you describe him as aggressive? Is that something you had to work on with him? No, Pete is not aggressive in that sense. Um, he's more calculating uh one thing that Pete did a really good job in Bermuda, and uh, I actually wasn't there for that part of it, but uh, he did a good job of cleaning up his starts through the beginning of the round robins, and and then into the cup, he had a really good starting record with uh, with uh, Jimmy in in the actual cup, and that's been exposed again here in the uh, Christmas regatta. Pete really struggled around the starting line. And he'll be working on correcting that, uh, which will be a challenge for him because he doesn't have any racing to correct it. But uh, he'll he'll work on that one. Are you missing not being involved in an America's Cup campaign this year? It must be the first one in quite some time. It's the first one since 70, 1977. I know. <laughs> Actually, yes, I am. But no, you 
one one part of it is you don't realize how much pressure the team and the individuals are under while you're going through the America's Cup campaign until you actually step out of that bubble and watch it from the outside. And that, that pressure is kind of a funny thing because it's not necessarily pressure on you. There's just pressure in the room everywhere. Everybody's under pressure. And um, it's kind of, uh, it's, it is quite relaxing to look at it from the outside, but kind of miss being in the inside too. So I guess yeah. because you know how much money is being spent and you know that you've got country, whole country's hopes riding on it and... Um, not to mention the own pressure you put on yourself. Yeah, you got three years invested into this. And, you know, I mean, American Magic's going through it right now, the complete, you know, air out of the balloon as they box up their boat and, and look back over three years of their time invested and didn't get the job done. So it's... um. Yeah, it's, 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 that's an emotional part of the whole campaign is when it ends. Being outside of the America's Cup bubble um, for, for the first time in a, in a long time, how do you rate this America's Cup, just the design of the boats, the number of teams, um, obviously the effect that COVID has had on the event as a whole? Well, the, the, I mean, the new boats are quite radical, and um, it's a little bit controversial whether that is in the spirit of sailing or not. But... Uh, or where we're flying the boats. But what can't be argued is that that's captured the imagination of the public, of these boats going 50 knots. I mean, that's just ridiculously fast. And um, so that captured everybody's imagination. Um, look, the economic impact to the, to the country wasn't what we anticipated. That was completely out of uh, anybody's control because it's just... The virus that's taken over a worldwide pandemic, and that's just the way life is. The pictures being beamed around the world of New Zealand and the racing uh, has got to be good for New Zealand in the long term as far as um, people saying, gosh, that's a pretty good spot. I've got to come down there. Look, they've got, they're pretty sorted. So I think long-term-wise, it'll be, you know, it will portray New Zealand in the, in the best possible light. The Logan, I think it's actually had a had a toll on your sailing. You you were going to be involved in the Youth Cup this time around, is that right? Uh no, I I wasn't, but my um my sailing partner on board the 49er was, so yeah. unfortunately that's been um that's been cancelled. You missed out um very narrowly uh, to the British team in Bermuda and I guess the thing about the Youth America's Cup is that not only is it quite a, an exciting race in itself to watch, but it's a training ground and a breeding ground for these teams, right? How much of a loss is that, that, that we're not seeing that kind of racing this time around? Yeah, I think it's, it, it certainly leaves a, a bit of a hole for the, the up-and-comers. Um, it was a fantastic opportunity for us in Bermuda and and all of us really enjoyed it and, and learnt a lot and, and it's that exposure to the, the kind of bigger game that, that was really valuable and yeah, not having that this time... Uh, there are a lot of teams entered and, and it would have been really great racing and I'm sure they would have all benefited a lot from it. So it's, it's fairly disappointing that it couldn't go ahead. In terms of the, the future of the Cup, is it a good thing that American Magic bowed out early? Because the New York Yacht Club were pushing to go back into old school style racing like what we saw 20 years ago rather than these radical foiling catamarans or monohulls. Is, is, is foiling now just the future of the America's Cup, do you think? 
I, I guess the future of the America's Cup is entirely in the winner's hands. Um, so it can go backwards or forwards or sideways, whichever way you want to view it. It, it. From my perspective, it would be disappointing if it didn't stay in a fast boat. It, it sort of seems that that's the way that yachting is going, and it's it's really exciting to watch and it's really exciting to be involved with. But you know, whoever wins decides. What would you like to see, though? Surely we can go faster next time. <laughs> Even faster? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Um, I just want to come to a wee segment that we look at at the end each week in um, Characters with the Cup, and this is for you, Logan, because you also race in the um, 49er class against um, Peter Burling and Blair Turk, and they're obviously both members on Team New Zealand. Just tell me about those two and how... Um, how much of an impact that pairing will have on the Team New Zealand boat? Um, well, I think it's, it's pretty obvious, but it's it's important to state that they're both really good yachties. Both um, Blair and Pete as individuals are, are phenomenal sailors, along with almost every single other person on that team. You know, There are some great sailors through the design team, through the build team, so everyone knows how to sail a boat. Um, they're individual brilliance I'm not sure I think it's a a really collective effort to get that boat first even just out of the shed and then going fast and then coming down to the the sailors on the day doing a really good job of racing it so you know they've got some some phenomenal sailors on board and I'm I'm sure they will have worked out how to use their collective genius to try and win. Rod how you were saying earlier just how difficult it is if you aren't racing uh, constantly, and that's you know, there's a bit of an advantage to Jimmy Spittle and, and Francesco Bruni with Luna Rossa having gone through that uh, the semi finals, that'll give them an advantage when it comes to uh, taking on Ineos. How difficult is it going to be for Team New Zealand having not raced since you know late December and, and they've still got another month to uh, basically just uh, train with themselves? How difficult will, will it be getting up to race speed for those guys? Yes, I mean that's their challenge, and they've got three uh, three ways of um, improving their racing. One is to really carefully watch all the footage of the current racing going on and learn from the uh, learn from the other teams, and you know talk it all the way through how it applies to them and what they do in every situation. Um, the and that's one of the things that Oracle did a really good job against us in 2013 in San Francisco by learning from the early races uh, and improving significantly during the series. The other is they have a simulator at Team New Zealand, which is very, very good, and they can race other boats uh, on that simulator. And the simulator actually is good enough. It actually gives them feel for the whole race course and, and the way the boat's sailing. So they'll use that for, in particular for practicing starts. Um, and the last one is just starting. We use a chase boat, uh, one of the chase boats, and it mimics the other boat around the starting line to get your time to come back and your time distance and all of that going. So those three aspects of what they're going to try to do to counter from the racing. But the racing, actual racing another boat, is probably better than all three of those. Well, uh, if we can just turn our thoughts back again to the Prada Cup final, because that's the next thing on the cards. Um, we're going to play a game of most likely. Um, Rod, you first. Most likely uh, to uh, win uh. the Prada Cup final, Luna Rossa or Ineos UK? Uh, 
it's a very tough one, and, and honestly, it's just a guess. You make these predictions, and you and everybody comes back. We won't hold you to it. it <laughs> but I'm gonna I'm gonna go for Luna Rossa. And Logan. Oh look, I I tried to get into a little bit of gambling in Bermuda. I thought I have a bit of inside knowledge, and, and it really didn't work out well for me. So I'm I, I'm not going to pick. You're not even going to try this. Oh, come on, Logan, I pick. You got it. Uh, if you went Luna Rossa, then I'll have to go with um, Sir Ben and Team Ineos. Is it just because it's that close? Yeah. Yeah, it, it is that close, and we don't know enough. You know, yeah. even though he's watched the races, even the team, even the guys on the team don't need it. They're just going to do the very best they can. Yeah. Well, of course, that's the, the next exciting action that we've got coming up. And then we're in sniffing distance of the America's Cup. So one of those teams will go on to, um, to challenge Team New Zealand for the old mug. Thanks very much for listening to the Cup podcast with me, Melissa Chan Green and Tom McRae. You've been listening to News Hub's The Cup podcast. For more, visit newshub.co.nz/podcasts.